You're listening to New City's Sermon Podcast. We hope you're empowered and challenged as we root deep in God's word in order that we might grow in the good news of King Jesus and live as faithful citizens of his kingdom right here in our city. Let's get into the scriptures now. One quick note before we start. Our sound recording equipment malfunctioned and the recording this week isn't as crisp and clear as normal. We apologize for that and we'll get it fixed next week. Happy New Year! 2019. Someone was saying a minute ago that I overheard a conversation that like, when you say 1999 was 20 years ago. What? Remember how crazy it was in Y2K? I was in college and I was like, we're going to die. Nothing happened. There you go. All right. Well, Happy New Year. Uh, you know, every new year we do hear about resolutions, and probably the most used phrase when it comes to resolutions is, I want to get in shape. Yeah. Yeah, everyone wants to get in shape, and even if it's not physical fitness, they want to get in financial shape. They want to check out their, you know, their financial fitness. But a lot of people do want to get into physical shape. They want to eat better. They want to, they want to go to the gym. And in light of that, we're going to start a four-week series here in January called CrossFit, a series about spiritual fitness as the body of Christ, um, as the body of Christ. And what that means is you are an individual who has been saved by the blood of Jesus, and he has welcomed you to himself. But as he has welcomed you to himself, he has also welcomed you into this quirky, weird, broken family the church. You're a follower of Jesus with people that you didn't even know before you weren't a follower of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12 says it this way, now you are the body of Christ and individually or individual members of it. There is this sense where we all can evaluate our own spiritual fitness. How is our relationship with the Lord? But you really can't do that fully unless you look at how you're participating in the body. We're going to talk about spiritual fitness as the church, as the body of Christ, as a local expression of Jesus' body right here at New City Fellowship. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at different aspects of becoming a spiritually fit local church. Today we're going to look about look at showing up, committing to the body, stepping up, building the body, fueling up, resourcing the body, and then look out, beware the gimmicks. Because you know whenever you try and get in shape, there are people that say, if you just use this piece of equipment, you only have to exercise 30 seconds per week, and you will get massive biceps. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, so you have to beware the gimmicks. And the reason that we're calling it CrossFit is because everything that we want to do as a church, and everything the Bible teaches, is not based on our own efforts, or our own perseverance, but on what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So we can't come in here and just say, we're going to do this. No, we need to look at what Jesus has done already for us on our behalf, the mercy and love he has shown us. And, and through that, we're actually finding new motivations and new powers to become a spiritually fit church. It's the weight of the sin on the cross that Jesus carried for us. And when we tap into that in new ways, we actually do find that we have a new resolve, new determination, new 
levels of spiritual fitness. And so this morning, we're going to start off in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, and we're going to see how showing up is connected to spiritual fitness. I'm going to pray first, and then we're going to read Hebrews 10. Father God, grant us spiritual insight into your word. We're so thankful that we're here, we're together, it's beautiful outside, we get to love one another here in this amazing building, but we want to be changed while we're here this morning. As we're here as a group of individuals who have become a family in the body of Christ, I pray that you would bring us closer together as we study your word, that you would grow our faith, that you would grow our hope, and that you would grow our love, and that you would make us more spiritually fit as a church, as a body, as the body of Christ together. And all God's people said, Amen. Hebrews 10 says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more, and all the more as you see the day drawing. If you want to get into physical shape, there is one rule that is more important than any other rule. One rule that, that trumps them all. You can show up and you can pick up those dumbbells and you can do bicep curls in a way that isolates your bicep. But that technique is not the most important rule. You can do burpees in a way, you know what burpees are, you, you don't like them. They're not fun, they're like push-ups but much worse. And there's a way that you can do that that emphasizes different muscles in your body and really brings out a cardiovascular aspect of fitness. But that technique on how to do burpees is not the most important physical fitness rule. The most important physical fitness rule is show up. Nothing else matters if you don't show up to the gym. You will not get in good physical condition if you lay in there. You might want to, you might have the desire to, but if you don't show up, nothing else matters. The gym you go to might have an unbelievable, friendly culture where everyone's encouraging each other, but that doesn't matter if you don't show up. They might have high-tech treadmills that have little TVs there, and you get to catch up on all your shows while you get in shape, but none of that matters if you don't show up. As we talk about spiritual fitness of our local church, Something similar is true. We can have the best programs. We can have an amazing team. We can, uh, we can have great Bible studies. We can love each other well, but none of that is actually implemented unless we show up. Unless we show up. In fact, the number one rule of having a spiritually fit local church starts off with showing up. A spiritually fit local church shows up. 
Nothing else matters if no one's there, right? We get that, right? The people gather together. That's why part of our mission just says that subtly. It says, gathering together to worship Jesus. We can't worship Jesus if, if no one is gathered together. The spiritual fitness of a church body starts with showing up. But just like going to the gym, we need some deep motivation in order to commit ourselves to this local body. Just like going to the gym, at times it gets difficult, and you have to renew that internal motivation in order to go and work out. What the author here is telling us in this text in Hebrews 10 is that we show up because Jesus showed up for us. It always starts with the cross and what Jesus has done for us. In fact, we don't have the power to just show up on our own. Before Jesus, in fact, you couldn't even just show up to worship God on your own. You had to have an authorization. You had to have representation. God dwelled in a holy temple. And you couldn't just show up on your terms, at your time, whenever you wanted to, and worship Him in the way that you wanted. You had to show up in a way that He wanted. You had to have authorization and representation. You couldn't just show up. Over Christmas, my wife's family rented an Airbnb in Crystal River, which was beautiful. Beautiful, it literally is like a Crystal River there. You can see manatee and all sorts of fish. But they rented this Airbnb that was really unique. It was called the Blue Lagoon Inn or something like that. And we, we rented the whole place for all Virginia's extended family. And when you drive up, it, it's really unique. It's all painted blue and there's just like, it's really eclectically decorated with sea life pictures and mermaids and the kids just loved it. And when you're inside, the floor was painted like it was cartoon sand and sea and there were dolphins like painted on the floor. It was, it was beautiful. And people see this blue lagoon in as they drive by. And they see pictures of it online. And so we get there and we're having a great time at the blue lagoon in. And Elizabeth, Virginia's mom, tells me uh, the owner says that you have to keep the door locked at all times. Like, you have to keep the front door locked at all times. I said, well, why? She said, well, the owner said this. People will drive by the blue unit, and they will look at it, and they'll be drawn to it. And they'll park their car, blocking your car in. And they'll walk up to the front door, and they will open the front door and just walk into the Airbnb that you're renting. And I thought, no way. There's no way that someone would be that audacious just to go to somewhere that they have, no, they have no history with, they have not been authorized in their head, they don't have any representative that's going before them, they just walk in. And Elizabeth said, yes, that is what she said. So we were really intentional about keeping the door locked until the last day and we forgot. And then it happened. <laughs> and then it happened. Uh, 8.30 in the morning, I'm sitting there drinking my coffee, and all of a sudden there's a woman in the kitchen. And she goes, I, I'd like a tour. And I was like, uh, first of all, first of all, I'm sipping my coffee, and the clue should be that I'm still in my sleep clothes, and I have been. I'm not going to give you a tour, first of all. But secondly, what are you doing in here? You can't just show up at a place that we rented. You have to be authorized. You have to, have, you have to call the owner and get her to represent you so you can come in. 
And of course, she got a wedding. <laughs> in a Christian wedding. <laughs> Before Jesus, you couldn't just show up to worship God. You had to have authorization. You had to have representation. God dwelled in a holy temple, and people worshiped him there, but you couldn't just show up on your terms at your time. The design of the temple was meant to show people that God dwelled among them, but he was separate from them. He dwelled among them in the temple, but still he was separate from them because of their sin. Non-Jews were allowed to approach the temple, but they didn't have authorization to come past the first wall. They had to worship God from afar. But Jewish people could enter in a little bit further, but they still couldn't come when they wanted. They had to they had to come in a certain way, performing certain rituals, giving sacrifices to atone for their sin. In fact, they would come and they would bring an animal and they would give it to a priest who would represent them, and the priest would kill the animal as a sacrifice to atone for the person's sin. But the person they couldn't enter into the actual temple building, they had to stay far away because they didn't have authorization. Only the priests could get into the actual temple building, outside from the fence, into the courtyard, into the building, the, the building where God's presence dwelt. Only the priests could do that. But they had to do it when God said, in the way that God said, they had to clean themselves up and do, do these ritual washings. And they would come into a room called the holy place. And in the holy place, they would see some of the holy things from Israel's story bread of presence, the altar of incense, the lampstand, all these things that represented God's presence is you. But then at the back of the wall of the most holy place was this massive curtain that was much taller than, than you were on. And it went to the ceiling. And what was behind that curtain was the most holy place. From the holy place to the most holy place where God's presence actually and only one priest could go in there one time a year on Yonder Pool, the Day of Atonement. A pure animal would be sacrificed, and, and the blood of that animal would be brought in from, in from the outside into the holy place, through the curtain, into the most holy place, and that blood would be sprinkled into the room as a representation of forgiveness, as a representation that the people were sinful. And God judges sin. The wages of sin is death. The only way for forgiveness is if someone dies. And so one man, one time a year, was allowed to access the presence of God. God dwelt in a holy temple and people worshipped him there. But because of their sin, they were separate. They couldn't just show up. They didn't have authorization. They didn't have representation until... Jesus Christ showed up on our behalf. So Jesus Christ showed up on our behalf. In verse 19, the author says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, the text is telling us that through the death of Jesus and our faith in him, we have now been authorized to enter into God's presence. 
The sacrifice of Christ has paid for all of our sins. His blood has cleansed us, and he is now our priest. He is now our representative before a holy and righteous God. Through his death on the cross, that was the final sacrifice. Now we are cleansed and we are authorized to be in the presence of God. Not just one day a year, but all the time. All the time. The Gospels record that after Jesus died on the cross, that curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place ripped in two, from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top, because if it had been bottom to top, it could have been abandoned then. It was from top to bottom because God did it. Jesus Christ's death on the cross satisfied God's justice against our sin. And therefore, we no longer need to go through cleansing rituals in order to approach God. Jesus has given us full access to a living, holy God. And Christian spiritual fitness starts out with you, with this. It starts out with the fact that you say, I'm not spiritually fit. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to be in the presence of God. I can't just show up to God and work this out on my own and get better. I need someone else to do it for me. I need someone else to make me fit. But Jesus is the one who makes us fit to be in the presence of God. Not by making us better, but by the forgiveness he offers for us on the cross, by his shed blood, by the representation he gives us. He becomes our priest. And now that Jesus has shown up for us in a definitive way, we are now enabled to show up. We're now permitted to show up. We're now empowered to show up. First of all, we show up to God together. In verse 22, the author encourages and says, let us draw near. That is a worship term. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is First of all, we show up together before God with confident faith in what Jesus has done for us. By drawing near, the text means gathered, and now that Jesus has given authorization because of his sacrifice on your behalf, you have been fully cleansed and fully washed clean, and your sins are no longer your identity before a holy and righteous and Jesus is your Our sins no longer define us, and so we can have confidence in coming to God together that we are his children, we have been forgiven. When he sees us, he sees our representative priest, Jesus Christ. Not me as your pastor, not someone who's really spiritually fit, but Jesus Christ died on the cross and was risen from the grave and ascended to the right hand of God, and now he is in heaven, representing us before the Father. This is why every week we do a confession of sin, or at least most weeks we do a confession of sin. And, and that's not about, hey, let's feel guilty for a little bit before God. We do a confession of sin because we desperately need our consciences 
to be retrained by what Jesus has done for us. We desperately need our consciences to be able to admit that we've sinned against the Holy God, but to understand the gospel and have confidence that our sin does not define us before a Holy God. We are free to admit our failures and ask God for help in turning from our sin and turning to heaven. That's why every week we do a confession of sin. Because it's already in your conscience anyway. Let's just confess it to the God who already knows about it and forgives you fully through Jesus Christ. So we do a confession every week because we can show up with confident faith that we're forgiven. But not only that, we show up together with unwavering hope. We come together and worship with unwavering hope. Oh, we show up believing that if Jesus did die on the cross, if he did come back from the grave, if he did ascend to heaven, then our hope is in him that he will return. He will not leave us here. He will return and he will come back and he will make all things new and he will create a new city and bring a new city with him that we get to live in forever. And that is our hope. And every week we come together because we need to remember that hope. Life is hard, and it's hard to have hope when everything feels against you. But we come together remembering that whatever has happened in our week isn't the end of the story. The end of the story is Jesus returning for us and making all things new. And so we show up together with unwavering hope and confidence. We also do this, we show up for each other. You can do faith and you can do hope alone, but you really can't do love alone. You've got to show up. You've got to be here. Verse 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Everything that I've just said that Jesus has done has been done not just for you, but for us together. Like, we're saved, comma, to be part of God's people. We're not saved just for ourselves. We're saved to be part of this family together. You are part of the body. You're an individual. But the body is made up of individual parts, which we'll talk a little bit more about next week. So together, what Paul or what the author of this has said is that we are the new temple of God. Not only are we given access to the presence of God, but together, God's Holy Spirit dwells in us as the temple. He lives in us together. And so we're connected. We're part of each other. We owe each other love. We show up. In each other's lives, we show up together because God dwells in us together. Jesus died to make us a people. So we show up. Is he saying that we show up? Yeah, I'm saying we show up. We come together as a church. We make the body a priority because we're part of it. And Jesus died for it. We show up even when we have reasons not to, which is why this text is the Christians who originally read this passage were considering not showing up to be part of the body. 
and they had good reason to. They had been through a very serious persecution, and they kind of figured out that another persecution was coming. And it was kind of one of those things where if you show up at the church gathering, if you show up and are taking part in the body, people will take note, and they'll know that you're a Christian, and the persecution will come against you. Maybe you'll lose a home, maybe you'll have to lose your job, maybe something like that will happen. So they had every reason not to show up. It, was, it would have been easier not to show up rather than to say, no, we have to gather together. The author says, no, show up. Don't neglect gathering together no matter what happens, no matter what reason you have. And I know for us, we sense a little bit that things are changing in our culture, and maybe that will be true soon, that we will receive persecution for showing, showing up at the church. But we need to realize that our brothers and sisters around the world are already facing this plan. I don't know if you've read in the news about early rain covenant church in Chengdu, China. It's a Presbyterian church with over 500 members. And if you know anything about the government of China, they watch churches very closely. And all churches are required to be registered with the Chinese government, which then gives the government some control over what the churches teach and preach and do. Well, early Rain Covenant Church said, we are not going to register with the government. Our allegiance is not to the government, our allegiance is to Jesus. And we cannot go into the government when they're going to regulate what we preach and what we do, so we are not going to register. Which immediately put them at odds with the Chinese government. Immediately put them at odds with the Chinese government. And on December 9th of last year, just a month ago, authorities arrested over 100 members and leaders of the church, including their pastor. Now, they weren't charged with being Christians. They were charged with inciting to subvert state power. In other words, they won't do what we say. They won't do what we say. And authorities locked up the church, took their worship area, and basically banned them from gathering together. Now, this is tense. The members of early Rain Covenant Church have a decision to make. If we show up, we may be arrested. So, do we neglect gathering together as believers in Jesus Christ? And their answer has been overwhelmingly, no, we are going to show up no matter the cost. In fact, the very next week, when they were banned from going to their church, they met in a public park together to get that picture up. They met in a public park together in worship there with their kids at risk of arrest. And I read somewhere that what they recited together was the Heidelberg Catechism, which says, what is your only hope in life and death? And the answer is, my only hope in life and death is that I am not my own, but I belong to the Lord Jesus. Now we need to pray for these brothers and sisters who are making a bold statement because they're continuing to get arrested. They're continuing to get detained because they won't stop gathering. They're gathering in the streets. They're gathering in parks. They're seeing their opportunity in prison as, as a way to further the gospel. And the government cannot stop. They said, we are going to show up for each other. Now, I think that the pastor of this church, when he saw this coming, he had been vocal against the government. He had been saying, we're not going to submit to the government, we're submitting to Jesus. And he had begun to prepare his congregation that persecution was coming. 
And so he and his wife, they began writing out just instructions for the church. Instructions for the church on what to do once the persecution started. Do you know what the number one principle was once the persecution started? Do not neglect God. Show up. That was priority one. That's amazing. This is a spiritually fit church. They are not afraid. At whatever cost they are going to show up, they are not going to, to stop gathering today. Now, I know that we're not there yet as a country, but we might be at some point. We might be at some point. But I think what keeps us from gathering together is something far more subtle than persecution. Individualism. Individualism. Everything in our culture says you as an individual are the most important thing in your world. Everything in our culture says don't commit to anything, look out for me. That's individualism. Biblical individualism is you are an individual who's part of the body. You're part of the body as an individual. But what our culture teaches us is you're an individual, so don't show up unless you want to. Don't commit to anything if you don't want to, because you're the most important thing. Whereas Jesus says the body is important, and we're part of it as individuals. And see, this idea of individualism has seeped into the American church. It really has. So we see tons of people who are Christians, but are not connected at all to a local expression of the church. And we see people who go to church but don't really participate with the body because they're individuals. Listen, you cannot do a me and Jesus thing. It is an us in Jesus. But the church has bought into this mindset. About a month ago, this comedian, this hysteric, his name is John Chris, and his sole job is to make fun of the church. He does a pretty good job at it. John Chris came up with this little spoof video where it was called Virtual Church. And in the video, he jokes, he gets out of bed, and he like puts on his virtual reality, and it's like, I don't have to go to church. I don't have my own privatized worship experience. It's super funny. And like in his virtual glasses, he gets to pick what type of building he goes to, and like how big it is. Like whether the worship pastor is wearing skinny jeans or not. It's really funny what the worship's like. And then, and then it kind of fades out and he's got these virtual reality glasses on in his pajamas in the living room and he's just like worshiping on his own. And it was a it was a poke. It was a it was a jab at the American church because in one sense it's funny, but in another sense it's true. He was actually poking fun at something that happened a few weeks earlier. A few weeks earlier, another prominent church came out with a church app. Now, we have a church app. Most churches have a church app. Download our church app. We love free to connect. Nothing wrong with church apps. But what happened when this church came out with a church app, the pastor got on YouTube and basically said, you wanted us to plant a new church, it's now in your phone. And he began talking about the app as if it was a real church experience. And he said, in the app, you can watch the worship services. And in the app, there's a lobby. 
there's an actual thing in the, in the video that says lobby. And you can go into the lobby and meet real people. And I was like, do you know what real means? <laughs> and, then, and then he said, and once you're in the lobby, you can have tactile relationships. And again, I was like, you know what tactile means? Tactile means you're actually touching someone. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with an app. But apps will keep you. It would ask that substitute for showing up in real life. This virtual church is a real church. You have to be part of people. You have to be somewhere where I can have a tactile relationship with you and you. Where I can touch somebody else and be part of what God is doing. We'll continue to add the app, but the app is just a supplement for what God's doing here when we're together. And we cannot let individualism keep us from showing up. Showing up with confident faith, showing up with unwavering hope, but just then showing up and being an active part of what God is doing here at your city fellowship. I listen to sermons online, I watch worship online, I study online, but it's not a substitute for being a part of this. So let me encourage you to show up because you cannot be spiritually fit. Trying to do church without church, trying to do Jesus without church, is like being at home and watching workout videos. You know, not even having the weights. You're just like there, air working out, like rising. Like you're not really. You're learning something. You're learning the technique, but you're not learning how to implement love in real life. And everything that Jesus points us to is the love one. And so I want to encourage you to show up and show up with intentionality. Show up with intentionality. I want to I want to challenge and encourage you towards some very specific ways you can do this, because that's what the author does in the text. In verse twenty four, he says, "And let us consider." In other words, like let's think this over. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day. Consider means to mull over in your mind, to think about how you're participating in this gathering for the benefit of other people. How are you loving them? How are you stirring them up to love? How are you encouraging them? It's calling us to be intentional in showing up and when we show up. So I want to encourage you in a couple specific areas. I want to encourage you to own the vision of this church on Sunday morning. The more people that commit themselves and say, I want to own the vision of this church, the more encouraging it is to be here. The more encouraging it is to be here. So let me, let me point out a couple things. The first is, our vision is about gathering together to worship Jesus and going out to display what he is. One of the challenges we found is that our South Florida culture, when the service starts, very few people are gathered in this room. In fact, last week when Kathy Carnally was here, at the beginning of the service, there were more visitors here than there were active church members. People who said, used to be my Now, we're a super laid back church. We're not a legalistic church. We don't take attendance. If people show up late, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't want anyone to go, I'm sorry. What I would love to see is people go, we think the vision of worshiping Jesus is for sacrifice. 
And we want to be an encouragement to other people at this church by showing up ready to worship Jesus at 10.30. If you're late, don't apologize to me. What I'm asking you is own the vision. I know life happens. I know it happens. But when visitors come and they're here at 10.15 and people don't start coming until 10.35 and they've read on our website that we're gathering together to worship Jesus, but no one's gathering to worship Jesus, it's not encouraging. So I want to challenge you and encourage you to come at 10.30. In fact, we, we're going to redesign a little bit how we do the front end of church. And what we're going to ask is that you would come at 10 for coffee hour. We're going to have coffee from 10 to 10.30. And then as the countdown starts, we're actually going to shut down the coffee bar and encourage people to come in and worship. Not because we don't like coffee, but because we want to worship Jesus together. And we want to be an encouragement to our brothers and sisters who are here leading us on stage, right? When they look out and there's no one here and they're through the first song, it's discouraging. I want to encourage you to own the vision and show up. Show up on time. Show up ready to worship. Because Jesus is the one who has given us access to worship. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be having a living God inside of us. And so let me encourage you. Think through your morning time. You know, get up 15 minutes earlier. If you're serving, try and get here a little earlier so you can be in here as the worship starts. Show up to encourage others in the vision. But also this, show up to give yourself away. Show up to give yourself away. The text doesn't say gather together to get something out of it, although you will. Nor does it say gather when the service is interesting to you or when the church checks all the boxes off. No, it, it, it's gather together to worship and the emphasis is on one another. Twice here he mentions one another or each other. And there's this, this sense that we're here to get something out of it. But we're also here to give ourselves away. And to be quite honest with you, you don't get anything out of it unless someone else has given themselves away to you. I mean, you don't get to drink coffee, you don't get to put your kids in the kids' ministry, you don't get to worship unless someone else has given themselves away to you, unless someone else is obeying us. And so let me encourage you, show up to give yourself away. Make a commitment to a team. Which is why we're on the team at this point. Make a commitment to a team. If you haven't had the opportunity to serve on a team, this is your opportunity. We're putting them all out there for you so that you can choose and you can say, hey, God, where do you want me to go? And what am I passionate about? And, and what would bless the church? But let me encourage you to commit. Show up and commit. Because what happens is when people say, I, I'll kind of do it's even harder because when they don't show up and they're kind of half in, you have to find someone else to replace them. So we, we need people who are saying, I'm going to show up, I'm going to commit to this body, not as a way to earn something from God, but because God, what, what, what God has done for me through Jesus Christ. Amen. On my own, I would not have access to God, but Jesus showed up on my behalf, and now I want to honor him because of his grace to me, and I want to connect with the new temple, which is the body. And I want to gather to worship Jesus. And I want to show up and commit because Jesus gave me all of himself. Show up 
as you get to because of what Jesus has done in you. We are the temple of the living God. Together. He dwells in us because of what Christ has done on our behalf. Now together we're authorized to not only be in the presence of God, but to bear the presence of God in us. Because Jesus ascended into heaven as a representative, but then he poured out the Spirit in us to empower us and give us spiritual gifts to serve Amen. 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 And that's what we'll continue to do. Amen? Amen. Amen? Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for us. And we pray that you would make us a spiritually fit church based on your cross. We thank you that you love us, you forgive us, and you laid down your life for this body. We pray, Father, that you would take us deeper in what it means to be a fit church on your behalf. And all God's people say, We're going to respond to the gospel, and we're going to respond by seeing you deserve it. I'd ask you to stand as we sing, and just to remind ourselves that Jesus deserves all praise and honor and glory because of what you've done for us. If you want to respond by singing amen, if there's something going on in your life and you need prayer, I want you standing in the back and you feel free uh, to come back and I'd love to pray. So let's worship our King. Alright, church. We're singing this song called You Deserve It. We're singing it earlier today. But we're singing it because God does deserve it. He deserves our best. 